Back on the 1st of February, a bold new front in the struggle for African-American civil rights had opened up when four black students at North Carolina's Agricultural and Technical College in Greensboro had sat in at a whites-only Woolworths lunch counter and demanded service. After being refused, the young men remained seated for an hour, politely rebuffing requests to leave, until the store closed. The experience was personally, as well as politically, transformative. As 19-year-old Franklin McCain explained, If it's possible to know what it means to have your soul cleansed, I felt pretty clean at that time. I probably felt better on that day than I've ever felt in my life. A lot of feelings of guilt or what have you suddenly left me, and I felt as though I had gained my manhood, so to speak. The following morning, McCain and his three friends were joined by more than a dozen others. Within a month, more than 30 towns had been affected by sit-ins, and by the end of April, some 50,000 students had taken part in protests across 70 southern towns and cities. Meanwhile, the first stirrings of the wider student revolt that would dominate the 1960s were being felt in San Francisco. There, during the second week of May, college students from across the Bay Area gathered at City Hall to protest hearings that were being convened by the House Committee on Un-American Activities, HUAC, the congressional body that had played a leading role in the 1950s Red Scare by investigating the communist infiltration, both real and imagined, of labour unions, the teaching profession, civil rights organisations and the Hollywood film industry. On Friday the 13th of May, the police turned fire hoses on hundreds of peaceful protesters, blasting them down the building's imposing marble staircase. Others were dragged away. The attempt to crush the protest was, though, wholly counterproductive. 5,000 people turned out to demonstrate the next day, and in a subsequent court hearing, all charges were dismissed. Operation Abolition, a propaganda film that portrayed the demonstrations as the work of highly trained communist agents, also backfired, inspiring many thousands of young people to enrol at the University of California at Berkeley, which quickly found itself at the centre of the 1960s student movement. If racial and social tumult was not enough, the United States was also in the midst of a gripping political contest. With Eisenhower nearing 70 and in his final year of office, the 47-year-old Republican Richard Nixon was battling John F. Kennedy, his 43-year-old Democratic rival, for the presidency. In this close-fought race, one thing was certain. Power would shortly pass to a new generation of leaders, the first to be born in the 20th century. As vice president for eight years, Nixon was the candidate of experience, pointing with pride to what he characterised as the best eight-year record of any administration in American history, Nixon promised to build on this great record in order to forge a better America and to realise the dreams of millions of people for a fuller, freer, richer life than men have ever known in the history of mankind. Kennedy, meanwhile, sought to harness the spirit of a new era to propel his bid for the White House decrying the Republicans as the party of the past and a vote for Nixon 
as a vote for the status quo, Kennedy proclaimed that we stand today on the edge of a new frontier, the frontier of the 1960s, a frontier of unknown opportunities and perils, a frontier of unfulfilled hopes and threats. The times, he declared, demand new invention, innovation, imagination, decision.